Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. We're coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. Please don't forget all the incredibly wonderful things we have to do right here in Mississippi. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out all the cool things you're going to be doing when these trying times are over. There's so many wonderful, wonderful things to do in our soulful and soul-filled state of Mississippi. Today, when I use the word mentor, I do not use it loosely. I think it was seventh grade, maybe a little later, when our priest didn't show up to class. We'd find out that he'd been tragically murdered by some kids that he was trying to help. And during that time in the Wonder Years, it was really tough for us, you know? And we truly admired him a whole lot. In comes today's guest. At the time, I think he was a brother in the Jesuit order, not sure. He immediately came in and filled the much-needed void like only he could, like he was absolutely sent from God. He saw something in me immediately and urged me, actually forced me, (laughs) not only to to start leading the youth mass, but also pushing me to write more songs geared toward meditation, which so many moons later, I mean a lot of years, those very songs would help me land my first publishing deal in Music City. We kept in touch from time to time. His resume and what he's accomplished will take a Mississippi month to celebrate. He'd go on and become a Roman Catholic priest who entered the United States Air Force Reserves as a seminarian student and graduate studies in 1985 as a second lieutenant and retired 27 years later as lieutenant colonel. He now presides and provides ministry full-time at the Heinz VA Hospital, so let's get to know better a man that has always meant a whole lot to me. I don't care how far apart we were. Time for me to finally catch up with Father Chris Myers. Hello, Father. Hello, Steve. Good to hear your voice. Your voice is, it sounds exactly the same as it did when, you know, some, something about a, us musician types, like you're a great musician. And, you know, you close your eyes and you, you know, you know voices. And yours hasn't changed. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, people still think that I'm 35 years old, too. <laughs> I didn't think we aged. I thought things just time sort of skipped us by. <laughs> So, Father, it's, it's so good to talk to you. I was on a text chain a little while ago with a lot of the guys in our class, probably about, I think there's like about 12 or 13 of them, uh, from the group itself. You can imagine who it is. I want to go back now because when we're in seventh grade, we don't... Steve, Steve, I have to, I have to make a correction. Uh, you weren't in I'm in trouble. Grade. <laughs> you were in 10th grade. Okay, all right. So, there, so you're going to go ahead and fix me. We were in 10th grade. <laughs> And I wasn't, I wasn't with the Jesuits. I was my memory. 
I was studying for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph Diocese. But uh, since that time, um, which was kind of quite, quite a journey uh, becoming a priest, I ended up belonging to a religious community, the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And the founder of the Society was Father Jim Flanagan, not the same Flanagan of Boys Town in Nebraska, but uh, Father Flanagan came from Boston, but he started this uh, religious community after Normandy. He was an, the first, one of the first Navy SEALs, and they landed on Normandy. Wow. Only he and one other fellow made it, but the other ten did not. Oh, man. So he, he was a very, very interesting man. He died at the age of 92, I believe, a couple of years ago, three years ago. And, uh, but... Our headquarters is down in Corpus Christi, Texas now, and our main work is working with Hispanic migrant farm workers. And we're in Belize, uh, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Bangkok, and England. That's the society that I work with, and, and the founder, he invited me to join the society, and, and, I, and I said, well, I would like to, but I want to pursue chaplaincy with the Air Force. And he asked me why, and I told him, because I was born in the Air Force. I've always wanted to be an Air Force chaplain, mm-hmm. but I can't find any bishop who will sponsor me to do that. And he says, well, you came to the right place, I'll let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the rest of it is history. We're talking to my old friend, Father Chris Myers, and I've already got two strikes against me. So, Father, look. So when you came to us, brought to us, sent to us, where were you on your development into becoming a priest and your in your journey? Um, I was a seminarian in uh, just going into my first year of graduate school theology. Ah, okay, and then I decided to take a leave of absence uh, from seminary because I started in high school, and I then I went to college seminary. High school seminary, college seminary, and all right. the time before that, being an Air Force brat, all I knew was uh, uh, institutional life. Yeah, and and I and I said I got to do something about this. I don't know anything about <laughs> people. I don't know anything about relationships. I was just, I am. Uh, uh, I need to do something about this. Is so that how you? Is I that did. how you found us? I mean, was that sort of? Well, what happened is that uh, the bishop said, okay, I'll, I'll give you some time off. And, and he wanted me to take like two or three years out. So um, I went back to Kansas City, Missouri from St. Louis, where I was studying. And uh, I was trying to find a job. And I was going to be a social worker working with the police department of Independence, Missouri, or Kansas City. But I got a phone call from the vocation director of Kansas City, St. Joseph Diocese, and he says, uh, what are you doing? And I says, well, I'm trying to apply for a job or jobs. And he says, have you had any success right now? And I says, well, people are interested, but I haven't received any definitive uh, uh, answer whether I'm hired or not. And I says, well, good, because I have a job for you. <laughs> And I said, what, what's that? I said, well, sit down and, and listen closely, because I think that this is something that you ought to be doing. And I said, okay. So he told me that his classmate, Jean Chanchenier, from, from his seminary days, was murdered 
and uh, and and the, and and the school was trying to find a substitute or to finish up the year. And if you feel like you want to continue on down there after a year, you probably can. And I said, "Oh, father!" I said, "I have never taught in my life. <laughs> I, said, I don't know how to teach. <laughs> They're going to eat me up." <laughs> <laughs> And I says, well, I want you to pray over it and let me know. And so I prayed over it, and, and I called him back, you know, a couple of days later. He says, well, if this is what God wants me to do, I'll do it. And says, I'll, I'll do it. I'll just lean backwards and fall in the pool. Right. He says, okay, I'll just call down there and let them know. And uh, the principal, uh, what was his name? Oh, uh, Jules Michelle. Paul yeah, Michelle. Jules Michelle. I got that stat yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he said he'll be calling you and interviewing you, just asking you some questions. <laughs> and so uh, uh, Jewel did call, and we spoke, and uh, that was the first time I had really ever spoken to anybody with a southern dialect, and he really yeah. had a deep one. <laughs> yeah, good, and a good and, man, uh, such a good man. Still, we uh, kept in touch. Beautiful, beautiful man. Oh, he certainly was with me, and I'm very patient. He, did, he didn't know what he was getting himself into when I yeah. came down, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> So I went down there, and and, um, and the rest, you know, I finished out the year, but it was so, so difficult. I, I didn't know how to teach. I didn't really know how to really plan out the courses. I was jumping right in. I didn't have a summer to prepare for the year. I was just given the books, and here you go. <laughs> and wow. I thought, oh my, wow. oh, my gosh. I just try to play it by ear every year, and I really, I have to say to the students, to all of you, that I feel really, really bad that uh, I wasn't as good, if not better, than Father Jean Chantinier, because you guys uh, really admired him tremendously, and, and he was a very exceptional man, and um, very talented, and... But I just was not prepared for anything like that, and I think I gave you folks all, you know, the short end of the stick. Oh, no. That, so, and, so, and, so we're going to go into a break, but before we go into a break, I want you to know this. I see the extreme opposite. I may not have my years right, and you may be correct about that, and I may get some stats wrong. Uh, I think it was the Jesuit songbook that we actually did at Mass that we drew oh, from. That's, so, see, yes, I can, it's yes, all I, coming to me now. We're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. I'm with a beautiful man, priest, lieutenant colonel, retired, spending time in the VA now, doing so many wonderful things, and we're going to continue to catch up with Father Chris Myers. Don't forget to please go to visit mississippi.org check out all the incredible awesome things that are right here in our state the culture the history the arts man it was all born and raised right here when we get through these trying times i'm with the man that's going to help us get through them today father chris myers don't run away She flung the dice and bet it all. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with Father Chris Myers. I've gotten all my statistics wrong out the gate, and I'm not going to have them edited by my producer. We'll just keep keep my 
awful ways in, uh, I am human. Uh, we're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out all incredible things that you are going to do very soon. Hang in there. Trying times, right, Father? Uh, as you, yeah, very, very you, you've dealt with grief on a number of levels in your life, does it feel any different multiplied on such a global level as it is right now? If I did not have the experiences in the military being sent overseas on military deployments to the Middle East and uh, seeing the dead soldiers in the containers and putting them on transport planes and mm. to send back to the United States and working with people in trauma uh, for explosions and, mm. and the things that they saw and what they had to do and to kill people and uh, and then working in Germany at the military hospital where we bring in the military troops from the Middle East uh, on a, med- a medic airplane or medical airplane. And uh, if they got to Germany, most likely they'll get stabilized and be sent back to the United States. Some of them made it. Oh, most of them did, but some of, some of them did not. Mm. And there were a lot of tears and a lot of crying on my part. I would just kind of pull myself into a a corner and just express myself to myself and then pull up my bootstraps and go back in again. Mm. So the point that I'm trying to make, God allowed me, I believe, to experience losses, tragedies, little by little, where I'm able to do the work that I'm doing now. I'm a hospice chaplain, and I deal with a lot of patients who pretty much die weekly and prepare them for their uh, transition from earth to heaven, hopefully that they accept the spiritual guidance that I provide for them to do that. Most of them do, and most of them have a peaceful death. I've seen some deaths that weren't so 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 good. But uh, if it weren't for the experience in the past, I, uh, I want to probably have done as well as I had. And it really started with Jean Chantinier, because I saw the grief in all of you yeah. kids and what you were going through. So that was my beginning then uh, with something on a high scale for me right. at that time in my life. Yeah. And it just increased through the years. And I retired from the Air Force in 2012. From 2000, let's see, when 9-11 occurred, 2001, in 2002, um, at that time, I went back from active duty Air Force to the reserves only to be recalled by the Air Force to involuntarily to be reactivated. So in 2002, I was reactivated. Uh, and then from there, um, to make a long story short, in 2012, I was only home three months out of every year from 2003 to 2012, living out of a duffel bag, going to the Middle East and to Germany. And uh, right. Thule, Greenland as well, and different parts of the United States, different Air Force bases, uh, taking the place of other priests who were being deployed themselves to the Middle East, in Afghanistan, Iraq. I was mainly sent to uh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and, and uh, Doha, Saudi Arabia, I mean Qatar, or Qatar, and... Uh, and then flying undercover <laughs> to Saudi Arabia because if they knew that I was a priest, I would probably be sent to their gulag. So how would so you? How did you was, fly under the radar there? What did you? What did you? Do you dress in different garb, or what? I mean, how how did you do that? Yes, different garb, and uh, my passport was a little bit different. 
and um, and I flew sometimes on military transport. Other times I would fly commercially, just like a regular business person, and I would <laughs> say masses in different embassies, the uh, the British embassy, the Spanish embassy, uh, yes, and the American embassy, or the French embassy as well. So I had four embassies that I was taken care of over there, which was very interesting. And I could tell a lot of stories about the poor people who are third country nationals. They come from other countries like India, Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. Pakistan, to uh, to go into Saudi Arabia. This is when Saudi Arabia was really kind of trying to get built up. So they, the Saudi people, they, they didn't do any work. They didn't know how to do work. Uh, they hired people to come in and to do the work for them. And the, But the sad thing about it, they had to turn over their passport to their representative, which would be a sheikh. And, uh, and a lot of people didn't get their passport back, and they were stuck there for the rest of their lives, basically. They were slaves, made slaves. So, but that's how it is. That's, that's how their country works. Talking to Father Chris Myers. Father, what's Chicago looking right now on lockdown? You know, with everything just, uh, I mean, obviously, we're not, none of us are allowed to really get out. Uh, and t- unless we have to and must do, even the Delta here, we've been on lockdown. We've been uh, go to the grocery store, go, you know, you, 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 we've been going to mass on Sundays uh, via online, people going to church, but the streets are empty, you know, and it's 10 o'clock curfew. So what's uh, Michigan Avenue look like and uh, when you're and these, during these times? Well, when uh, the lockdown was put in place, People were really concerned, and then they began to learn that this is real and uh, nothing to fool around with. And the city, uh, Michigan Avenue, the curfew down there, I don't know what it is now, but I, it, they put a 6 o'clock p.m. curfew downtown. And But everybody was supposed to be in their homes. The only time you could be out on the sidewalk or is to walk to a store to get food or to a hospital or something that was essential, but if it wasn't essential and you were caught out, you would probably get fined and get a ticket. So as time has gone on and people, yes, they were obeying uh, the directives rather well until about uh, last week. But let me back up a little bit more. So as as, uh, three weeks went on and four weeks get on, a lot of young people are here who live in Chicago. There's universities here, and they live in apartment condo buildings right or apartment buildings and condos and uh, so they're starting to get uh, cabin fever and so now they're having parties waving at each other across their balcony or the windows <laughs> to the other building and playing loud music out their windows and having uh, <laughs> a different light flickering and, and Christmas lights turned in, turned on and people singing out loud in the out in the street or from their condo or apartment window. Wow. <laughs> so they were just kind of let loose. And Chicago is very liberal, and uh, which is not always a good thing. So a lot of these young people, uh, younger people, since the weather's been getting warm, they're, they're getting tired and they're starting to not care. They're becoming complacent. complacent so more yeah. people are out, yeah. outdoors breaking the the directives, riding their bikes and, and jogging and running without masks. And uh, on the lakefront, that was... And uh, and so 
I mean, I just had a phone call to make. I first. saw. I, I could tell. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the um, so people are not uh, really obeying like they should be, and the police here uh, they don't really know what to do. Yeah. You know, they well, just, it's uncharted uh, territory. Yeah. They don't know how hard to go, how how you know mm-hmm. how far to push the the actual rules and and sort of be mm-hmm. and make common sense out of things. You know, down here we've had some things. We've been in the news for some things that aren't so common sense, and then they're doing mm-hmm. things. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's it's just totally uncharted for for our our law enforcement. Uh, and the directive yeah. has been, has been, sort of, uh, mm-hmm. like on a scale of directive. Like, here's what you're going to do. It's like on a six. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not so clear. You know, even mm-hmm. with the the stimulus packages and watching our banker friends and accountant friends scratch their heads, it's just been so mm-hmm. interesting. Now we're going to go into the break, but you get to play DJ because you know, spending your time in Mississippi. Uh, that we are the birthplace of American music. So, Father, would you like to hear, uh, let's say, Tammy Wynette or Paul Davis? Oh, why not? Mm-hmm. You got to choose. You can't, Father. You can't get away with that. You get to listen to oh. Tammy Wynette or Paul Davis. Oh, Tammy. Oh, it's a done deal then. Tammy Wynette. We're with Father Chris Myers in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. He is a beautiful soul mm-hmm. of a man, and I feel like I've been reprimanded and stuck in time out already. Uh, and, and gotten in trouble a couple times, but uh, he has been a blessing to me. Don't forget to go to visit Mississippi.org for all the incredible, awesome things we have to do right here in Mississippi when we are getting the directive from Governor Reeves to get out and get at it. We'll be right back. There lies an opportunity. Use this time to plan for the future as life returns to normal. It always does. Stay safe. Help those in need or who are struggling with the effects of the crisis. Stay six feet apart and wash your hands. Let Guarantee Bank make this chaotic time a little less stressful. They have a full menu of electronic self-service options that allow you to make deposits, transfer money, pay bills, check balances, and much more from your phone or computer. If you'd like to talk to a Guarantee Bank member at your branch, they're available from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. The phone number is 800-847-7454. Stay safe and stay healthy. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with Father Chris Myers, the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. He knows what that feels like. I've been in his car in a snow, in the snow once we got it here. Like, we get snow every, you know, every triple other blue moon it doesn't happen right and i remember being in the mall parking lot in his car while he was driving and we were doing donuts i don't know if he remembers that 
but I can clearly oh, I, remember that. <laughs> that I am correct yeah, I, about. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I it was. It myself. <laughs> I kept going, I wonder if Father is seeing these light poles, or does is it okay that this parking lot does have light poles in it? And you were move, maneuvering around it like you were like uh, Mario Andretti, you know? <laughs> <laughs> with obstacles uh we're in the keep mississippi beautiful studio go to visit mississippi.org right now you're home you're not doing much if you're if you're there just kind of getting a lot of home projects uh done like i've been doing um and uh you're you're itching to go out you can do it virtually check visit mississippi.org and then you'll get to go roll soon father chris myers is with me he was a huge mentor huge asset in my development as a child growing up in the wonder years not seventh grade 10th grade and on uh an incredible piano player if i recall or at least you made it look fun which was which was important for me because i just remember you just loving to jam like you'd get going and by the way you were nothing like anything that ever showed up on piano at the church so you really opened things up you opened my eyes up to what it feels like just to have fun making music and I can tell you this, anything that I've been successful with, Father, has only come uh, rooted in fun, you know, because you got to be having a good time. Even if you're writing a song about painful stuff, you've got to, it's got to end up being uh, something uh, that felt really good to you. You know, whether it heals you as you go, the bottom line is making music of any type that evokes any emotion from tears to laughter and everything in between just is a barrel of fun for me it still matters and i think you had a lot to do with that i really do where'd your musical background start oh uh, when i was uh in eighth grade ninth grade i took piano lessons uh by the sisters of charity and uh at lady isle school a private grade school in portsmouth new hampshire when we had come back from living overseas in Spain with the Air Force and transferred to New Hampshire with the Air Force, I was so fortunate to come to the school. And, uh, and the teacher, she was just wonderful, this religious sister. And uh, so here I am, eight, nine years old. And, and just with that in mind, I, uh, when I was ordained as a, a deacon, I had my diaconate ordination at the chapel at Pease Air Force Base. Hmm. in 1989 so the time that i left portsmouth new hampshire was probably 1963 six, somewhere like that and my piano teacher was still alive <laughs> she she came to my ordination that was remarkable wow. she was probably wow. she was probably about 90 <laughs> so that was really exciting for me you were making so an I, impact even back then, see that you were impacting the older generation, and just that just shows you the value mm. and your purpose in life has been to make a big difference for either side of the fence for you. That's amazing to me. Amazing. Oh, she was so happy to think that I thought of her, and she and, and to invite her to the ordination at the base. <laughs> so that was really cool. <laughs> and uh, but uh, after that, uh, we moved to. Independence, Missouri. So I continued playing and uh, taking lessons throughout throughout grade school. Mm-hmm. And then I went to private high school uh, seminary. I took organ and piano, classical organ, four years there, and then four years in college. And then I ended up down in Mississippi. <laughs> Did you ever grow your hair long uh, and and have a rock band mm-hmm. during this period? Never. 
<laughs> no, I don't think that they would have ever accepted me into the band anyway. Well, I've been around been... A, rock, a lot of great rock and roll musicians, toured with a lot of them, yeah. the guys that we grew up loving, and, and I can tell you, you've got a rock and roll soul. You do. And uh, and oh, that's that's you. the be- that's the best part of the side when you when you spend time with Bob Seger and and you spend time with Willie Nelson or whatever and then there's something that's so deep deeply wonderful about him and you have that so it's uh you you, you it's funny as you grow up you sort of notice it you don't you don't really I've always felt like you can really see the the bad in someone, the evil and the devilish side of someone pretty, you know, somebody you just don't feel comfortable around if you really sort of pay attention. And and then you can really sense the people that are special and that you can almost see it in their eyes is compassion, right? That's That stem from this soul that they have and beautiful heart. You know, you bring up the uh, Sisters of Charity. You know, my wife Gwen, her three aunts, her dad's three sisters, all in the Sisters of Charity, I'm pretty sure that one was president of the order in Louisville who just passed away, Sister Emily Nabholz. Uh mm-hmm. One of the other was a missionary nun in India for 30 years uh, and retired mm-hmm. in Belize for another 10. She passed away. She was the first. And then we were actually went to Sister Elizabeth's uh, funeral. You talk about having a duffel bag and the sacrifices that you made. I remember leaving with a box and that was her all of her assets. All of everything she had, and we and and Gwen's mom and dad gave us the the Bible that she was given by her mother as a kid. This little small, you know, the small ones with the sort of uh, it's not plastic; it's like a shell or uh, uh, some sort of. Anyway, it just made you realize we accumulate all this stuff, and and she didn't need it. So, do you, as a, you know, you've given up a lot being in your chosen profession. Right, and you've given up sort of a double dose because you chose to be uh, also uh, in the military. So you've mm-hmm. seen all this and stuff. Do you uh, ever crave? Uh, am I asking a, a question I should never ask? Do you ever crave like uh, like a certain kind of car or uh, you know you know things of that shine a little more that maybe or does it ever matter to you? I was raised. Uh to appreciate very good things and things be put in order. I n- never, I, I was able to, to enjoy everything that was given to me. And that doesn't mean that it was given to me on a silver platter. There's things that I had to work for, and my parents taught me that fairly well. But the, because of my mother and my father, they enjoyed very fine things. And they were very uh, talented people. Very talented. My father was uh, uh, a reconnaissance bomber pilot in the Air Force. He was in World War II, the Korean War, and and just going into the Vietnam War, but he didn't want to go through another war, so he retired. But he always had a spirit of adventure and history. And my mom, she enjoyed the finer things like music. She was a violinist when she was a young lady and a vocalist. And uh, and before she married my dad, she uh, uh, was invited to go with some of her classmates to California to sing on the Lawrence Welk show. Come on. And she, and she wanted to be on his show. <laughs> well, they all went, but 
she got stuck with my dad. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So, so she made that sacrifice, but she always enjoyed the finer things of life, and so I learned that from her and also adventure. You're talking about left or right. I'm a little bit of both. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so my, uh, my mom always said to me, says, Chris, I know you like things but you were not born with a silver spoon in your mouth. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I, if I wanted something bad enough, I did work for it. Yeah. And, uh, and I achieved things. But what's interesting is, you know, especially being in the military and seeing the things that I had seen. Yes, there, at one time, I, it was easy for me to be attached to material things. But it isn't anymore. You know, I, I right. see that uh, there's a lot more to life than material things. And when you see death uh, often enough, you, you see that everything just blows in the wind anyway after we die. Right. And uh, so I detach myself from the material world, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy it. But if I were to lose anything, I wouldn't care. So right, that's, right. That's, that's beautifully so that's said. Right well, now. you know, as... as you become a father like I have with three kids. You want them to have everything, and you just, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, I don't think mm -hmm. I ever wanted to collect 70 guitars. It just sort of ended up like that. Now, most of them were given to me, but the ones that, you know, by companies when we're rolling, but, and now they're art on the wall and everything, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, the ones that I cherish the most are the ones that I paid for when I was a kid, and they're, they're the ones that mm -hmm. are really hanging up and, and to me represent, you know, the, the sweat and hard work yeah. of playing four hours to get to the point where I could play for it, 75 minutes. Exactly. Right. We're with That's Father Chris right. Myers. We're going into a, another break, our last one. We're in a Mississippi minute. I would like to take a Mississippi year to catch up with my man, and we're going to bring him down to the Delta when we get to do our Delta Soul Celebrity Charity event, raise money for the arts for kids because that's what he's a big part of what I do now and what I care about definitely had a lot to do with him. And, Father, I want you to know I would have invited you to the number one party if we'd ever had one. We got stuck at number two too many times. So, anyway, uh, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out all the cool things to do right here. We'll be right back. JT and Rhino. These are great people. They're tough, they're smart, and they love our country. The JT Show. The greatest of all time. Weekdays 10 to 1. Let me hear it. Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Steve Azar winding down a Mississippi Minute. I'm with Father Chris Myers. Good and the bad Mississippi beautiful studio. Tell me, what, why do I remember you in a hot air balloon? What was the deal? Well, be, well because I brought my hot air balloon down. You did. <laughs> you did. You sure did. Wow. Yeah, I, and I think I took uh, uh, Mixon with me one time. Took Clint with you, yeah. yeah. Or, or Clint. I think I did. Wow. Dad, tell him hello for me. And uh, I am texting him right now as we speak. That's awesome. So you, do you still get to do that, or can you still pilot one? Oh, I can still pilot one, but I my balloon is uh, too old, and I, it was too old. It got too old, and then I, I finally just uh, sold the basket. The balloon part was 
not uh, airworthy any longer. But uh, I go to northwest Illinois, and, uh, and I fly with some balloonists up there in their balloon. So that's kind of fun. And that's, that's Can enjoyable. I ask you real quick, since we're done, I, I want to ask you, and maybe uh, we insert this, Will. How did you become uh, involved and interested in flying a balloon? Well, my brother wanted me to uh, consider, let's see, how old was I then? I was probably about 20 years old. He was a police officer, and uh, he always enjoyed aviation. got that from my dad. He wanted to get into hang gliding, and he said, you want to go ahead and venture into hang gliding? And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And uh, But one day, he was patrolling in my parents' neighborhood, and he says, Chris, and I was mowing the yard outdoor, outside, and he looked up. So I looked up, and here was this beautiful hotter balloon flying right over our house. And I looked at Steve and I said, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so that's exactly how it started. And so I got my commercial license. It was teaching hotter ballooning and going to school, giving uh, demonstrations to their science class, you know, just talking about the dynamics of ballooning and, and, uh, and about weather and going to country fairs. And, and uh, yeah, in fact, I went to a county fair. I met county fair, not country. Well, it was out in the country. County fair in Arkansas one time. I don't remember who all went with me. So we went to that. And, but anyway, yeah, I had a lot of fun there in Greenville with the balloon. I remember taking up Father Ed Sheridan. And, and we were supposed to go uh, south, but the winds changed and took us west toward the Mississippi River. And I said, oh, Ed. We don't want to. We don't want to do this. <laughs> we don't want to go over the Mississippi <laughs> because it's so wide, yeah. and uh, the the air current over the Mississippi is much different than over land because the with the water running down and the air uh, the air moves with the water and that can move all the way up to about two thousand feet in the sky. And so if you get caught in that, you can't get across. And the only place to come down on is in the river. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I said, Ed, we've got to make a crash landing. <laughs> we've got to do wow. this quick. And so anyway, we came down, and we landed right on the, the bank, uh, the hillside of the Mississippi River, just west of downtown Greenville. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, and so we <laughs> had the newspaper... <laughs> Probably yeah. flipping out. <laughs> we had the newspaper coming out, taking pictures and and interviewing Father Ed. And if you go back into that year, you probably see the pictures of Father Ed and uh, and they interviewed him and stuff. It was that was kind of exciting. Father Ed, told I remember the fastest homilies on the planet. Two minutes. Oh. <laughs> he got to the point, didn't he? He get right to the point. <laughs> right to the point. Mm-hmm. I love it. Father, I got to ask you, what positives from, I, I have my own view, and I, and I think I've said it enough already on this show, so I want to hear your point of view. I always see the silver lining in things when I write songs. Through these times that we're going through, and they keep talking about this new norm, what do you see the positives that are going to come out uh, you know, from your perspective? The positive things that are going to come out of it, but I do see and know what positive things can come from it, but what is going to be, I have no clue. But what can be, I see some very good things. And it's up to the people 
to choose wisely. And I really believe if they don't know God, they're not going to choose wisely. I can't thank you enough. I've been with Father Chris Myers. Uh, and we're going to get together soon, Father, in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. I think that it's uh, it's ironic and uh, meant to be all these years later that we get to catch up in front of our audience and people on Super Talk. And, and don't forget, I can't wait to take you to all the wonderful places we have to offer here. Just go to visit Mississippi.org, everybody, and we'll all meet you there. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. These are trying times, and my friends at Guarantee Bank believe in every crisis. There lies an opportunity. Use this time to plan for the future as life returns to normal. It always does. Stay safe. Help those in need or who are struggling with the effects of the crisis. Stay six feet apart and wash your hands. Let Guarantee Bank make this chaotic time a little less stressful. They have a full menu of electronic self-service options that allow you to make deposits, transfer money, pay bills, check balances, and much more from your phone or computer. If you'd like to talk to a Guarantee Bank member at your branch, they're available from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. The phone number is 800-847-7454. Stay safe and stay healthy. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.